I think this is such a huge thing because, unfortunately, independence is the natural default condition for most Christians. Isn't that true? It's unfortunate, but we naturally live independently of God. We do our own thing. Honestly, today, did I wake up and think, okay, God, what do you have planned for me today? I mean, that thought didn't even cross my mind until just now. I woke up and I thought, we're going to have SNL, we better prepare, we better have notes, we better talk to them. I never, it's not like I woke up and just thought, okay, what does God want? You know what I mean? Aaron and I are looking at new cars right now. We really need a new car, badly. Our only car has over 200,000 miles. And uh, God has provided just about enough money to go ahead and buy one. Not new, but you know, fairly new compared to what we have. We're looking at cars, and we're praying that God would provide a good car and all that. But uh, we just went out and looked at cars all day. I didn't think through, like, I wonder if this is what God has for me right now. I don't want to overanalyze. There are some Christians that are stupid about this, and I'll just say it bluntly. They go, does God want me to eat toast or bagel or toast or maybe oatmeal? What's God's will? Well, I don't think he really cares. <laughs> Have whatever you feel like eating. Be healthy and, and don't run yourself into the ground. I'm not saying to be stupid like that, but too often we live our life on the other extreme of not even caring what God thinks about our life. Brother Lawrence is this guy that lived a couple hundred years ago, and he wrote this book called Practicing the Presence of God. And in that book, he said, I would not so much as bend over to pick up a stick, but for the love of God. And I thought, what a lifestyle. To be able to live every moment of every day out of obedience to God and out of love for God, not with dependence on God. It's it's kind of a place I would like to be, but I know I'm not. You guys kind of there with me? I think that we're all naturally in this independent lifestyle as Christians. And it's not what God has for us. And I think that's the key to the lack of satisfaction in most Christians' lives. A lot of Christians are living pretty much no differently than anybody else, and they don't see what's so special about the Christian life. I've heard people say, the Christian life won't work for me. Aaron's uncle had a, had a great little quote this summer. We were talking about that. And he goes, somebody saying that the Christian life doesn't work for them is kind of like buying a helmet to protect yourself when you're riding a motorcycle, putting the helmet on the back of the luggage, driving down the road, getting into an accident, and saying, helmets don't work. It didn't protect me at all in the accident. And I said, that's a good analogy, dude. <laughs> he goes, you, you got to wear it on your head if it's going to work for you. And I was thinking about it. It's kind of like if uh, I told you, let's say Terry had never heard of a car. Okay? And I said, Terry, car's the greatest thing in the world. You can get you around, no problem. Easy as can be. Let's say you had to work in Tamron and you're walking every morning. You know, So you're waking up four hours before you have to be at work to walk there. I say, no, 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 you need, you need a car. You, you shouldn't be walking. And so I tell her, though, to benefit from the car, you have to be totally reliant on gasoline, right? You have to make sure that you're putting that gasoline in the car. And if you're not, the car's not going to go anywhere. So what if Terry tells me, ah, gasoline, whatever. And uh, so, But she goes and buys a car. And so every day she goes and she sits in the car. And she turns the key and she can't get it to work and... And after a while, she's going to be like, Nate is an idiot. This doesn't help me get any bastard to work. It just doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? This is baloney. And there's going to be a high level of frustration about that vehicle because she's not relying on what powers that vehicle. The second, though, that she relies on what powers that vehicle, 
there's real dramatic results, i.e., you go where you need to go. You're putting gas in the car and it gets where it needs to go. It's kind of like that in our walk with God. So often we go, okay, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I accepted Christ. But I'm not living in His power. I'm not living dependent on Him. I'm depending on my own abilities. And I go nowhere when that happens. How many of you guys have ever done that? I have, right? My attitude is no good. I'm not getting done the things that I know I should get done. I'm not seeing any change in my life. I think all this comes from a lack of dependence on God's power. I'm trying to do the Christian life in my own strength. That's the independence that Ronnie was talking about, and it doesn't work. But too often, it is the way things are. I think that we need to become dependent on God if we ever want to see something different happen. That verse that Ronnie read, Philippians 2.21, where he quoted it, it says, Everyone looks after their own interests, not the interests of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. What percentage, just think in your mind right now, what percentage of your activities, desires, and interests would you classify as yours? And what percentage would you classify as Christ's? I know in my life, Christ's interests, I'm ashamed to say it, but they probably don't equal more than like 20% of my time. And even if I'm doing Christian things, I mean, we're in full-time ministry, so a lot of our time is spent doing Christ-like things. But maybe even the time that's spent there, maybe my mind's not there. Maybe my mind is all over the page. Does that make sense? It seems like it's so easy to run my own life, no matter how Christian it looks. And I don't see God intervening in my life because of that. Paul said in Galatians 2.20 that the life, that he doesn't even live his own life. Christ lives through him. And that his own life has been crucified with Christ. And he, he nails it. He says that we have to live that life by faith. In Philippians 4.13, it says that we can do anything through Christ Jesus who gives us strength. Again, this life of faith that depends on him. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. So what, ha- what do I have to do if Christ is going to give me the strength to do anything? I have to submit to him, right? James 4.7 says to surrender or to submit to God. To submit to God. I think submitting is the opposite of that verse, Philippians 2.21, that says that everyone looks after their own, their own interests and not the interests of Jesus Christ. Submission, and our society has butchered this definition, but submission literally means living and using your energy to accomplish somebody else's purposes and goals. Now, this is kind of cool because that's how our life should be with God. It's like, I'm on this planet for a reason. God has a purpose and a plan for my life. So I'm going to live my life to see that purpose and plan achieved. So I'm living it for him, not for me. That's the same definition in marriage. A lot of times you hear this societal explanation of uh, submission, right? Where the husband's like, submit woman. That is not the picture at all. That is a bogus deal. In marriage, the Bible does tell the wife to submit to the husband. It's kind of a side, side shoot. But in that very same chapter, it says submit to each other in love. And so there's this issue of, of submission between Christians, between me and Aaron. We're both in marriage, and we both work for each other's common good, right? Aaron will submit to me by serving me to accomplish what's important to me, and I will submit to Aaron uh, by serving her to accomplish what's important to her. There's this back-and-forth relationship of love, of serving each other. And I think that that is what, what Paul's talking about, or I guess what James is talking about, in our walk with God, submitting to God, living our lives for His desires. 
It was so crazy. This is being kind of vulnerable, but we were several thousand dollars short on what we needed to get the car. And last week, uh, one supporter called us and said they wanted to donate four thousand dollars towards a car. And I called Russ to tell Russ about it because I was so excited. I was like, Russ this is amazing, you know. And uh, Russ goes, you know, Nate, I don't think God would bless us like that if we didn't do things that were close to His heart. And it was just a simple phrase, you know, but it hit me hard. I was like, what's close to God's heart, you know? What's close to His heart? And Russ goes, you know, things like evangelism. And I can think of evangelism as an act. I've got to go share my faith now. But honestly, that's close to God's heart. Do you think it would be close to Aaron's heart if she heard that I was talking about her around campus? I have the greatest wife in the world. I love her so much. She's so special to me. Wouldn't that be close to her heart? If she knew that I was telling my friends about her like that, or if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, wouldn't that be special to you to know that they were telling other people about how much they loved you? And I think, is it crazy to think that God would also find it very special when we told our friends how much we love Him and how special He is to us? See, those things are close to His heart. What about my quiet time, my time with God in the morning? Do you think that's close to God's heart? I do, right? The time that I spend talking to him, reading his word and hearing what he has to say to me, that's something that's special to God's heart. I think that when we live dependent on God, we live doing things out of relationship with him that are, that are close to his heart. And he can bless that, right? He can bless that because it's, it's what he's all about. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. And that is the key here. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because if, if it's not by faith, it's in my own strength. It's not dependent on God. If it is by faith, it has to be dependent on God. Here's the thing, guys. The Christian life, if this was any other religion, I would leave it and say it's bogus. Okay? Because there are so many times where a week, this year, five days before going to Romania, Aaron and I are leading a trip with, with 20 people to Romania for a month and a half. Five days before the trip, we're $5,000 short. We had people's parents... Did you know that, Gary? We had people's parents calling us up going, do all the students have their money in for the trip? And we're like, yeah, the students are pretty good on their money for the trip. We're not. We didn't tell them that. We're like, we don't have it. We seriously had to walk by faith. And I thought, if I was, if I was a part of any other religion, I'd think, this is a bunch of baloney, dude. Like, this is bogus, because five days out, we don't even have the money. Where is God? He didn't show up, right? Wouldn't you think thoughts like that? But then I look at the scripture, and it tells me that's what it's going to be like. <laughs> Isn't that cool? He says, you will have to walk by faith. You will have to trust me. You will have to be dependent on me. See, when I see things like that happen, it's in line with what he said would happen. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, he's called us to a life where we cannot live it dependent on ourselves. We have to live it dependent on him. And if we live it dependent on ourselves, he just flat doesn't show up. And I, I know you guys don't want that in your life. See, he requires that we walk by faith. So that's that, that when we see things like this, where it's like, oh my gosh, right down to the wire, is God going to provide or not? It's just affirmation to me that God is who he said he was, that he's going to require me to live by faith. Me and my brother were running in Romania, and I just said, Dave, it's funny, but it seems like the, the more 
you step out in faith, the more God requires you to step out in faith. We saw the $5,000 come in that last week. It was amazing. Every single day for those last five or six days before the trip, we had somebody call us and say, I'm donating 500. I'm donating 1,000. We're donating 500. God provided all of it. So we get to Romania. I have unbearable headaches the entire trip. And we're trying to leave this trip for six weeks. It was crazy. I don't even know how it happened. I look back, I do not even know how it happened. And you know what? It was the best mission trip that I've led, and I've only led two. And it was one of the best that I've ever been on. And it was not because of me, because I wasn't even there. My head was like exploding. People would come up and say, Nate, we just want you to know you're doing a great job leading this trip. And I'd be like, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Because all I, I feel like I can do, ask Terry, or Aaron, I walked around going like this. I walked around rubbing my temples all day because my head was exploding every day, nonstop. See, God did it, though. And I was telling Dave, it's crazy. The more you step out in faith, the more he requires you to step out on, in faith. But it's so amazing because you get to step back and watch him do it. And you know it's not you, and you know it's him. It's a life of dependence on him. Where the more you depend on him, the more you have to depend on him. He doesn't let us just depend a little bit and then reserve 90% safe. You know, It's like I can have a safe 90% of my life and then 10% I'm going to depend on God and have a little risk. He makes us depend on him in every single way. So here's my challenge to you guys tonight. Is make decisions to follow and obey God in ways that he has to come through. It's our natural tendency to make a decision to say, I'm going to trust God in this way, but I'm going to fix all the details so I can't fall on my face. I would challenge you, make decisions in your life in obedience to God where if He doesn't come through, you die. Does that make sense? But I don't, don't do things that are stupid. I'm not saying, you know, fly into Mecca and start telling people to repent because you wouldn't last too long. What I am saying is make decisions where God has to come through in your life. And watch Him, and He will. And it might be the very last stinking minute because He is requiring you to develop a lifestyle of faith. He's requiring you to be dependent on Him. But how cool is this life of dependence? Um, so it's not this crazy emotional freak show of going, what should I eat for breakfast, a bagel or oatmeal? It's not like this freak show thing. I used to think, should I go right or left? Or should I talk to the guy with the brown shirt or the green shirt? And that is not God. That's my mind playing stupid games. But what I am saying is to live a life of dependence, a life in the Word. God's Word is living and active, Hebrews 4.12. And it's changing me from the inside out. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4 that we depend on God's Word just like we depend on bread to eat, just like we depend on food. So how in the world can I start my day out without being in the Word and still be dependent on God? I can't. I need to have a life spent in His Word. How about a life in prayer? Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 talks about praying always and presenting everything to God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says to pray without ceasing, to pray continually. Um, so how can I live a life dependent on God if I'm not seeking Him in prayer on a daily basis? I need to be seeking Him in prayer. I think it boils down to a life of intimacy with God. Jeremiah 30, 21 says... Who is he who will devote himself to be close to me? And that's, that's a challenge. Will you devote yourself to be close to him? I think it takes dependence. Can, you, can I be close to Aaron 
as your husband if I refuse to be dependent on her? It's not possible, right? What if I refuse to put myself in any position where she has to come through for me? I'm not being vulnerable with her, right? Um, Our relationship is never going to go deep at all. If we want to grow deep with God, if we want to devote ourselves to being close to Him, I think we need to develop a dependency on Him. We need to develop a, a life of faith where He has to come through. It's like, I'm going to choose to do this, God, and if you don't come through, I'm dead. Now, I want to kind of give you the history real shortly. Before we were 5,000 short for Romania, a week out of the trip, the reason we were 5,000 short is because I've been having these crazy headaches. We had all these CAT scans and all these tests done, like $3,000 worth of tests. And we had oh, at least three or $4,000 in our account, in our master plan account. And we, we, we said, um, we prayed about it together. We said, should we play it safe? and use that money and keep the debt at the hospital. Because we could do that, right? You just get on a payment plan, you pay it off every month, this and that. Or should we pay off that debt and trust God to come through big for this Romanian trip? And we made that decision. We're going to zero our account, get out of that debt, and then trust God in a big way. That was about a month beforehand, and he did it. But we made this step where God had to come through. Otherwise, we were dead in the water. And he came through. So again... I think this boils down to a life of intimacy and dependence on God. John 15, 4-5, Jesus says that apart from Him we can do nothing. So we, we can't do anything if we're not living that life of dependence on God. He says, remain in the vine. He said, if any man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So he's talking about a life of meaning, of, of fulfillment, of actually accomplishing the purpose and plan God has for our life. You, each one of you in this room, God put on this earth for a reason. You're not just here to dink around, have some fun, and believe in God. See, a lot of Christians, I think, believe. My life is all about just believing in God and then doing whatever I feel like doing. Getting the career I want, the house I want, the family I want. That's not it. You have a purpose. You're not here on accident. I can't fulfill the purpose God has you here for. Jackie, I can't imagine what God's going to do with your life. 20 years from now, I think we'd all be blown out of the water if we knew Jackie was doing it. You know? Jen, same with you. Gosh, I look around. Man, Joel, I look around the room. Aubrey, you know? I look around the room and I just think, God's going to rock the world with you guys. Chris Oliver's like, yeah, even me. I'm like, yeah. Uh, God is going to change the world with you guys. He's going to do big things. He has things that I can't accomplish. Look at Chad. Chad has this training tool for evangelism in this, this game. It blows my mind how much he's put into this thing. And he's developing it and 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 developing it. This could be a tool that could revolutionize evangelism training in America. God didn't give me that idea. You know, I've been sharing my faith now for over 20 years and the thought never crossed my mind. But he gave it to Chad. God's made you the right kind of person to accomplish what he wants. And I can't do that. And what I'm saying is that you have to remain in him. You have to be dependent on him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. It comes out of that intimacy with him, that relationship with him, that being in his word daily, that being in prayer daily, that life of obedience to what he calls you to. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love him, you will obey him, flat out. I know so many, so many Christians 
that go, I love Jesus, but I'm not sharing my faith. That's not for me. That's for other people. I'm not gifted that way. Well, he told you personally to do it. And he said, I have all authority to command you to do this. He gave us a command. He said, if we love him, we'll obey that command. In 1 John 3, 18, it says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in action and in truth. How can I love God in my actions and in my truth, being obedient to him, dependent on him? Remember, Philippians 4.13, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not like I'm just going out trying to do whatever I can do on my own, but I'm really dependent on Him. It's that daily intimacy with Him, that devotion to Him. Remember, who will devote Himself to be close to me? That remaining in Him, that remaining in the vine. What does it mean to remain? You can't be going back and forth, right? I think I feel like my relationship with God too many times is a back and forth relationship. It's like I'm there in the morning and then the rest of the day I'm thinking about my own thing. How can I remain in Christ? How can I pray without ceasing? In our guys' leadership Bible study this week, we talked about what does it mean to pray without ceasing? It doesn't mean that I'm just rambling all day long without ceasing. That's stupid. And it'd probably annoy God, if anything. Prayer without ceasing is communication without ceasing. What if me and Aaron in our relationship had periods of time where we wouldn't communicate. The relationship is dead, right? Even if we're not talking, there's open communication 24-7. That's what God wants with us. 24-7. If Aaron says something, I, I want to hear it. If I say something, she wants to hear it. That's me and God. We, we need to have that 24-7 communication going on. Jesus exemplified that life of obedience. And uh, John... 12, 49 through 50, he says he never said a single word that God did not lead him to say, that his father did not lead him to say. In John 14, 31, he said he only did what his father led him to do. Those are just two of hundreds of examples where Jesus said, I only do what my father leads me to do. See, he was dependent on his father, and he was God himself who gave up that deity to be on this earth, just like we are. He needed to be dependent on God completely. How can I be any less? And this is this thing that Ronnie was talking about is so often we live a life of independence. And I, my encouragement tonight is to live a life of dependence on God. One where every day you're spending it in a relationship with Him. I'm reading in that Bible every day. And it's not like a law. It's not like you better read the Bible every day or you're in big trouble guys and zap you. That's not it. We have Muslim friends. They pray every day. And they don't pray at all because they want to have a close relationship with Allah. They pray wrote, written out prayers five times a day because there's a law that says they have to. God never said you have to pray so many prayers, so many ways, so many times a day. He said, let's communicate 24-7. That's what I want with God. That open line of communication every day. I can just tell him what's on my mind. I can bust out his word, and I can read in the Bible what's on his mind. And he can, he says it's living and active, and it's going to speak to me directly. That's powerful stuff. So that relationship with God is a way of being dependent on him. And then obedience. So he truly will live his life in and through you with his power. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has already given you everything you need for life and godliness. You don't need anything else. It's been given to you. We just need to walk in it, live in it. Uh, again, Philippians 4.13, I do anything through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. So this is by faith alone. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So depend on God by faith. Take steps 
of obedience to God that required him to come through. I would learn to step out of comfort zones more and more each day. I think that is the key. And learn to depend on God more and more each day. And here's, here's the deal. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says that no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, that it hasn't entered into the hearts of men what God has in store for those who love Him. And this is the thing, guys. What God has in store for you, you, me, nobody else here can comprehend it. So learn to be dependent on Him. Because if we don't learn to cultivate that life of dependence, all we get is us. And that's not that exciting. If we learn to live by faith and depend on God, we get what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, which is amazing. So, that final challenge is live life in a way that God must show up. Make decisions to do things where He has to show up or you're in big trouble. Mikkel, starting the Jesus Discussion Group in the Native American Center, God has to show up. I honestly know because we've tried to start the Native American ministry up here on campus several years in a row, that there can be some antagonism in that area. And for you to step out as a Native American and to put your reputation on the line and right in this in the Native American Center and to say, okay, God, you have to show up here. Otherwise, I'm going to look very foolish. <laughs> a lot of people are going to look at me and Jatana and say, they're weird. <laughs> Well, you guys did it, and God showed up, you know? I, I know all you guys have stories like this, and I'm going along. So that's just my, my final encouragement. If you want the Christian life to work for you, let God fill you and empower you with His Spirit by stepping out in faith where only He can accomplish what needs to be done. Because then, then it happens in a way that it can never happen on your own. Sorry, I'm a little long-winded. I don't know how you handled tonight. Both of us forgot our notes at home. (laughs) Look at the discussion questions. Think about how they apply to your life. And really think about this idea of trusting God in new ways where where you require Him to show up. If He doesn't show up, you're in trouble. Okay, guys, thanks.